Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the good things you've done in the last year uh, and, and a half and more. But Father, particularly in this season with COVID, which has rocked so many churches, um, and with Bentley not having uh, full-time paid staff, and uh, Lord, just people stepping up and everything, and what you've done here, and uh, Lord, I just uh, have a sense of uh, the expectation and momentum in the church, and we want to carry that forward in you, by your grace, for your glory. So we pray that you'll continue to work through us in that. And as we come to this very short message this morning, Lord, please uh, just help us to hear your word for us in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're continuing in Luke, and uh, I am going to attempt the impossible for a preacher and keep it down to uh, 10. <clears throat> It'll probably be 15, including the words. Sorry, could someone grab me a... My voice has just started. <coughs> While the water's coming, would someone like to read this? Luke chapter 24, verses 13 to 35. Sorry to put you on the spot, but it's not going to come out. <coughs> Anyone want to grab a microphone and do that? Oh, thanks, Neil. <coughs> yeah, your Bible's fine. No, I don't. <coughs> Just read this. Oh, that's fine, yeah. Okay, so Luke chapter 24, verses 13 to 35. Now, the same day, two of them were on their way to a village called Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. Together, they were discussing everything that had taken place. And while they were discussing and arguing, Jesus himself came near and began to walk along with them. But they were prevented from recognising him. Then he asked them, What is this dispute that you are having with each other as you are walking? And they stopped walking and looked discouraged. Then one named Cleopas answered him, are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked them. So they said to him, The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet powerful in action and speech before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be sentenced by death, and they crucified him. But we were hoping that he would be the one who was about to redeem Israel. Besides all this, it's the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women from our group astounded us. They arrived early at the tomb, and when they didn't find his body, they came and reported that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just the way the women had said, but they didn't see him. He said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Wasn't it necessary for the Messiah to suffer these things and enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted for them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. They came near the village where they were going, and he gave the impression that he was going to go further, but they urged him, Stay with us, because it's almost evening and now the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. As, a, as he sat and reclined at the table, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him as Jesus, but he disappeared from their sight. 
They said to each other, weren't our hearts burning within us when he was talking to us on the road and explaining the scriptures to us? That very hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem. They found the eleven and those with them gathered together who said, the Lord has truly been raised and appeared to Simon. And then they too began to describe what they had happened and happened to them on the road and how he was made known to them in the breaking of the bread. So we've been looking into Luke's account of the resurrection. Uh, And if you were here last week, we talked about how each of the gospel writers takes the life of Jesus and tells it a little differently. They're not just in... Uh, interested in telling the what of Jesus' life. They're not just giving a history or a biography. They're actually doing theology. And so they want to tell us the why of Jesus' life. So they sort of pull out different different parts, magnify different parts, and tell it slightly differently. And in the first part of the resurrection story we saw last week, the women uh, went and found that the tomb was empty. They saw angels uh, and they heard the scriptures explained by the angels and faith and hope started to rise within them but they didn't see Jesus himself and so they we we saw last week they were left with the same evidence that you and I have an empty tomb a heavenly witness for them it was angels for us it's the Holy Spirit and the words of Jesus now for us written in scripture and this all challenges us to faith and to hope in the story, I thought I had uh, silenced that. There we go. In, in this story, Jesus finally appears. And uh, remarkably, Cleopas and his other companion, we don't know who it is. Some people think maybe it was his wife, maybe it's another disciple. Um, but they don't recognize him. Jesus, who they're obviously familiar with and, and know well, and no doubt this is in part because in his resurrection, Jesus' body was transformed. It's the same body that he died with, and yet it's not. It's, it's different. It's, it's, a, it's a prefiguring, actually, of the resurrection body that we can expect, something with continuity, but also difference. But Luke also tells us, apart from this, if, if, if that's what it is, that they're prevented from recognizing him doesn't say why but there's something else going on in the story and so we get this really humorous scene well I think it's humorous where the disciples are walking along with this stranger not knowing it's Jesus and telling him hey this is your life did you know about this guy who we thought was the Messiah and he's been uh, killed and and now we hear this this rumor that he's risen again and what's going on and I can imagine Jesus walking alongside them and smiling and going Uh (laughs) uh-huh but even in the midst of their ignorance at at the same time uh, something is happening in them as they walk in Christ's presence because their heart starts to burn even if they don't get quite the enormity of who this stranger is of course once they finish Jesus gives them a bit of a telling off Um, they've been a bit dim-witted, it would seem. They've been selectively reading the Scripture, and we looked at this a little bit uh, last week as well. They were expecting a Messiah who'd come and bring a a political solution, redeem 
Israel, but they'd missed the parts where it said the Messiah had to suffer and die. It just wasn't part of their thinking about actually where the Messiah was from far more than just Israel, but for the whole world. And so Jesus says to them, how foolish and slow you are to believe all that the prophets have spoken. They believed some of what the prophets had spoken. And it wasn't that they disbelieved the rest. They just had filtered it out. And as we watch this delightful scene unfold, sometimes we can put ourselves uh, in the position of, of, of people who see the story and, and maybe, you know, we want to point the finger a little bit at these disciples as well. But really, Jesus is speaking to us as well because we can read the Bible selectively. In fact, I will guarantee that you do uh, because I know I do and I know a lot of other people who do. And we filter the Bible through our cultural lenses, through our theological lenses. And, and sometimes we don't actually let the whole Bible, all the Scripture, speak for itself. But despite their blindness uh, uh, to both Jesus and to his word, and this is the grace of God at work in them, a transformation starts to happen. Their hearts burn. They may not recognize Jesus in this moment, but you can't stand in the presence of God for too long. You can't stand in the presence of the one that the word is about and listen to it being taught by him without things starting to change. And so, again, the word starts to make sense. The events of this weekend start to make sense. And perhaps they start to see. They don't quite realize what's happening yet, but their hearts are stirring. We need the presence of Jesus if we're going to really understand the word. We can read it often, but it doesn't always make sense to us. They'd had the word before. These were Jewish people. They grew up with the word literally from their mother's milk. And yet they had failed to see what was really happening. I love to study the word. I love to get fresh insights into it. But the fact is without the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus shining his light into our, into our hearts, it becomes something... You know, we can just miss it. We can be like these disciples, ignorant. Sometimes we can be worse. We can, can become legalistic like the Pharisees or perhaps hard-hearted like the skeptic. We need the Holy Spirit to be ministering to us through the Word. And I don't have an annual plan because I've only been here five minutes, but if I did, this would be part of it. And I know you wouldn't have it any other way because I got told that well and truly when I was coming here but that we need to be people of the Word. But we need to be people of the Word who, who read it in the presence of the risen Jesus. The Word reveals the risen Jesus and the risen Jesus brings the Word alive to us. We need to be a people who don't just know the Word, but are transformed by it and allow it to help us to see Him, to make our hearts alive and for it to burn in us. So the disciples get to Emmaus, possibly their home village, and Jesus seems to plan to move on, but they'll have none of it. This is uh, ancient hospitality demanded that they, they give a stranger. Uh, it's you know, becoming nightfall. They, they need to give him, if they're going to be polite, 
uh, somewhere to stay and not stay out in the dark. But more than that, I'm sure they wanted more of what Jesus was doing. They wanted to, to have that burn happening, to hear the scripture opening up. And as they sit down to the meal, Jesus takes the bread and he breaks it. And that's actually something normally the host would have done. So we would have expected maybe Cleopas uh, to do this. But in that moment, as Jesus is breaking the bread, boom, they get it. They see him. It's Jesus. All this time we've been walking with Jesus. Of course we have. Didn't our hearts burn within us? Luke does an interesting thing here. This just seems to be an ordinary meal that Jesus is sharing with them. But when Luke mentions the breaking of bread in, in his gospel and in Acts, it's usually more than just an act of eating a meal together. Uh, when Luke is using it, we, we see an anticipation of the coming age, of the age of the Messiah. And now Jesus has risen and that age has become, has come. You and I live in this new age, not new age movement, new age, but the new age of the Messiah. It has arrived. And so what the disciples see is the beginning of a typical meal where Jesus is, just starts off to their eyes doing what we might do in saying grace and it becomes something of hope and revelation and faith. And it also becomes something of fellowship, what the Greek word is koinonia you would have heard and and uh, it became associated with this fellowship centering around the lord's supper the communion and the the church has always had this view that in the breaking of bread together even though we usually just use a little wafer or a piece of bread and and in sharing the cup there's something very special happening in the communion we find an invitation to experience christ's presence together He's present with us. And in our tradition, we, we see the cup and the bread as mere symbols. But there's so much more when we come with faith, the eyes of faith. There's so much more going on as we partake that. And what do we see here? Just Jesus breaks bread. But then what Luke's trying to communicate is his presence. They see Jesus in this meal. When I was a missionary many years ago, I got to visit a lot of cities and got to visit a lot of churches and often had communion with them. And it was just one of the most special times. Did it in different ways, called it in different names, but, you know, it all revolved around the same Jesus. It all looked back to the same crucifixion, but it was also in the presence of the same risen Jesus. That communion meal unifying us, in it we had fellowship in it we in a unique way see jesus so as we begin a new season as a church god's going to stir up new things in you and me he's going to do exciting things he's going to do challenging things but perhaps the newest and the most challenging is also the oldest and most familiar he wants to reveal himself afresh as we break bread together and man don't we long for the day when we can do that without any restrictions <laughs> and he wants to stoke the fire in us as we see him in the word we're used to breaking the bread 
of fellowship. But he doesn't want to give us stale bread. He wants fresh bread. We're used to hearing the word. But sometimes, I know in my life, the, the, the fire can burn down to embers. He wants to stoke it into a bonfire in us. And again and again and again. And the presence of Jesus with us gives us the power to accomplish what God wants to do in us and through us in this world. And it becomes the attractiveness that'll bring the people God wants to bring to this church. And so may this old thing, the word and the communion, become new to us again and again and again as we seek his presence in the word and in the breaking of bread and in our fellowship. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you've given us very tangible thing in the communion meal. We don't have it this morning, and uh, Lord, it's all kind of difficult in this weird season. But Father, we don't want to lose sight of that. We long for that day when uh, we can partake of the cup and the bread without having to worry about COVID rules. Bring it on soon, Father. Redeem us, we pray. Father, may your fire burn within us. Father, may your presence infuse everything we do, everything we think, our fellowship, our, our services, our lives out in the everyday world. Let your presence be evident to us and among us, Lord, that your will be done and your kingdom come on this earth as in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen.